Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. And welcome, everyone. Hey, hey. Hello. How's hey. it going? Oh, it's good. It's good. I I think we're having like this impossibly large amount of snow. <laughs> this, I think the almanac said that we would, but like it's very beautiful. It's snowing right now. It's been snowing for days. Um, so it's like extremely wintry. But it's also mid March. So I'm like, is it not time for a little bit of spring? <laughs> I'm just saying. Just saying. <laughs> like come on I'm ready oh my God, I'm waiting ridiculous I'm like wait a minute the sundresses um I le- I'm in this perpetual state of denial um that Toronto is somehow like not as wintry for so long as it is um <laughs> and acceptance I think is something that I really need to be able to lean into yeah yeah, yeah. yeah hear what you're saying oh yeah <laughs> my daughter's sending me lots of uh, pictures of snow from uni as well we um oh. we don't really get snow in Jersey very often so oh, interesting. um yeah all of her friends were kind of teasing her at uni like um do you not even get snow at Jersey like why are you this excited oh, oh interesting you <laughs> know all the Jersey girls were um absolutely ecstatic with the amount of snow so oh Oh, interesting okay okay so yeah. a very different weather pattern though though not that far away though like in um i suppose in canadian terms if it's several hundred miles or kilometers away it does it, that's not very l- far for us yeah sorry i had to pick up my cat it's okay <laughs> <laughs> well that's lovely how have you been all things considered yeah, well i'm starting to get there i'm still not 100 percent. you can hear my voice is still mm-hmm. a little bit croaky <laughs> mm, mm. But yeah, I'm feeling a little bit more awake, which is good. Okay. I think I was, um, I think I had a little bout of narcolepsy. Oh. I continually fell asleep. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Quite <right>. regularly. <laughs> yeah. Like when you're fighting things off, you're, it's yeah. so emotionally exhausting. So uh, yeah. you tend to need a lot more sleep. Yes, I have been sleeping a lot. Mm. Okay. Much needed. Mm. So yeah. Yes, but we're on the road to recovery. Good. Tis the season of crazy viruses. It is indeed. Yes. Well, uh, what is happening, uh, Miss Relationship Desk Correspondent, even though it takes much more energy, I'm sure, to collate this news, but what's going on at the desk? Well, I've got something very short and sweet, but um, hopefully it will um, give you food for thought. Okay, I need that. (laughs) (laughs) I think you might need this too. (laughs) (laughs) okay so i've got a very very short quote to share with you today okay and it is be the type of person you want to meet (gasps) oh wait i i'm running this through my head because it's simple but it's not easy yeah huh so much of the time we say something like i want to find my ideal partner I want to find a good match I want to find a good woman a good man and it is quite ludicrous because uh it's completely outsourcing the responsibility for relationship success to finding a quote-unquote good person so the quote that you just told me says well just like Gandhi right I guess it's not a direct quote and it he didn't say this exactly but be the change that you want to see in the world and by the way that is absolutely not what he ever said (laughs) just to say that but it was in the spirit of what he said. It was just a much longer letter about snakes. Yeah. I think I remember. But anyways, um, so 
yeah, it's a weird thing. Um, but what's your interpretation? The thing is, there's so much complexity in that quote. I love it. What does it mean for you? So I think we talk a lot, don't we, about, um, and it came up recently in a coaching session that I was doing as well around really just we expect and want other people to kind of to deliver a certain environment to create a certain relationship to um show us that they kind of love and care for us and are there for us but equally we need to take responsibility for that as well Hmm. so if we're going to expect somebody else to show up for us to care for us to be kind to be compassionate to be our cheerleader to support us then surely we need to do that in return for other Mm -hmm. people and we also need to do that in return to ourselves Mm. yeah that's great there's just so much uh there's like worlds of 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 concepts in that one statement yeah yeah again i feel like you're laying down some pearls for my next relationship i'm like oh sarah (laughs) i am packing that in my suitcase Except lining you up. This is just a podcast purely for your own education. <laughs> That's so great. I would say that I feel like I mimic the probably the circumstances of many people who are tuning in. Maybe they're recently mm. single, maybe they are about to go through a divorce, maybe they have been single for a while and they're frustrated yeah. at the dating scene. Uh so yeah, I feel like I'm definitely the archetype of the person listening. <laughs> I am both, um, what was the hair club for men? The guy was like, I'm both the president as well as a customer of the hair club for men. <laughs> I would like to say that I am both the co-host as well as the customer and audience of the Jordy Lass and Doc Sass show. <laughs> Aren't we all, my love? Aren't oh, we all? yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the philosophy of life. The school of life. Although that is a branded, uh, trademarked uh, sort of podcast or uh, repository of, of uh, information in the school of life so I don't want to infringe upon them I do not want copyright lawyers coming after my ass I have enough <laughs> problems in mind <laughs> in my life oh. all right well that was Thank lovely you for the disclaimer yeah of course of course don't want to get don't want to get us in trouble <laughs> so from one educational moment to another mm. I'm gonna bring you a hot topic that you might like this week oh yes please let's do it okay. topic things to consider when you're starting a relationship uh yeah like like exactly yes <laughs> thank you this is anna's lesson this week it's anna's <laughs> lesson this week yes <laughs> oh i need to be here now yes okay <laughs> let's get going we need to be here but you do need to participate too <laughs> yes yeah no that's so true that's so true oh this is exciting okay Um, so I think one of the things that is not included in the how to begin a relationship is to think like, well, I'm just going to find somebody who's not like my ex is and who's actually like a good person or a person who can save me or, you know, Mm. a person who can complete me. Unlike those other assholes in my past. (laughs) That's not what is going on here. Am I right? (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I don't, I think a lot of the time we're not that kind of consciously aware when we start a relationship. Mm -hmm. And we can go into it thinking about almost this the solution or the um this kind of vision about how I want things to be. And it's very much focused on a lot of the time on the other person and who they are. And you know, we could start kind of like a wish list. Um mm-hmm. my favorite program came back on TV this week. So um Married at First Sight. Oh, oh. 
Yes. So new series, very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, that helped me a lot with my um, with my cold symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yep. one of the guys on there, I'm not kidding you, he must have had a list of about 25, 30 things that he didn't want from a partner. Did not want. Did not, yeah. So, <sighs> and he described it as uh, things that gave him the ick. Um, so made him feel kind of unpleasant, uncomfortable, unhappy. And it had like, you know, really kind of, superficial things on there like chicks mm. that are into star signs oh. um you know just you know, oh kind of random God. things that really you should be able to overlook in mm-hmm. a person mm-hmm. but you know as it kind of transpired obviously they're they're things because it's easier to have a list of things that you don't want mm-hmm. to have in a relationship than it is to actually face up to um some of the challenges that you've had mm. in relationships and the challenges that you have given yourself over to somebody else or sharing some of your innermost vulnerabilities mm. or um fears or insecurities so kind of all of that then kind mm. of you know comes out and develops in the story mm. and we know that to be true so yeah. the more problems and obstacles that we put in the way the less likely is that relationship to be successful yes Oh, wow. Now, but Married at First Sight, now I think you and you very justifiably love the show, but it's also, <laughs> it's fluff, right? To a certain extent, like it's kind of like what not to do a little bit, would you say? Like, what would you? Well, often, I mean, kind of people are going on there because they they want to find love. So, you know, sometimes I kind of question some of the motives. Mm. Is it about love or is it about um, some sort Celebrity. of exposure? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the cynical side of me that comes out. It's very realistic. But, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but you know, if we accept that kind of the majority of people on there are on there because they want to find a relationship and the things that they've been trying in the past have not worked for them. Mm-hmm. So then, you, you know, naturally as the program progresses, you see kind of more of those things being worked out. And that's what mm-hmm. I enjoy about the program mm-hmm. is actually kind of, you know, seeing some of those realities of the things that come up in relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, in some sense, could you say it's like what not to do? But um, that's, I guess, why the experts are there and mm-hmm. as part of the program to help to guide them and and try and kind of demonstrate some of the more positive ways to start a relationship and to interact with each other and to open up to one another mm, nice okay okay so so we're not looking for we don't have a list of like 30 things that bug and bug the shit out of us that we're looking to <laughs> not have in our next relationship but like so yeah how do you ready yourself and i'm taking notes <laughs> in my brain <laughs> actually maybe i'll step in here to say the first thing that is really important is to realize like how ultimately humanly flawed you yourself are and 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 to take full-on responsibility for the missteps and misgivings of past mm-hmm. relationships the only way to start off in building the relationship of your future is to accept full responsibility for the things that you're responsible for, for the things that didn't go well or were not functional, the the growth mm. areas that you need to, that, that you would like to spend a lifetime closing the gap on. So I'm flawed and that's step one and that's great. I start from there. <laughs> I'm well done for your honesty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think you're right. You know, we're not honest with ourselves about who we are as people and we're not honest about... Um, some of the things that have happened in the past, we're not honest about who we want in the future. And I think there's real clarity needed around all of that. Hmm. So if we sit and think, um, and I think often it's it's really useful to have kind of some space to be able to process and think about some of these things hmm. and not, 
you know, that temptation, isn't that, to kind of jump from one relationship to another, to another, to another, mm-hmm. until you kind of, you know, hope that you'll get it kind of right. But there isn't any um, space for processing and, and forethought mm-hmm. that really actually kind of starts to create that vision of the relationship that you want. But mm-hmm. some of that reflection time is really, really important to say, well, you know, if I objectively look back at the past relationships that I've had that haven't been you know long-term successful and they may have had successful moments in them Mm -hmm. so I think it's important to look at kind of both sides of that to say well what what is it that worked what kind of worked really well and what didn't work so well you know it's a bit like your own kind of relationship um appraisal Mm. Mm -hmm. and you know what part did I play in that um you know what were my expectations that maybe didn't get met and what was the reason that I couldn't maybe voice some of those expectations? Mm. How could I have been clearer going into the relationship? You know, did I kind of not admit that I wanted, you know, a house and kids and mm. the full shebang? Did I kind of start off quite gentle saying, yeah, I'm not, you know, just after some casual when actually secretly inside, that wasn't what I, what I was going in for. And I, but I just didn't want to admit that because of fear of rejection or any of mm-hmm. those things. So getting really clear and honest about what you want, about who you are, about some of the things that maybe have driven some of the behavior patterns within mm. the relationship. And, you know, can you do anything about that before you actually embark on something new? Oh, yeah. And it's super hard, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. It is really, really hard. So how do you look into your blind spots? I think the most important thing is like, there's the things like, oh, I definitely need to change that. And then there's things that you're like, well, I need to change that, but I don't clearly see, like, I'm not calling myself out. I'm not really calling myself out on my own bullshit. Like what, what are the hardest things for us to kind of see uh, with clarity or to own? Well, I think most of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Because we don't, you know, we don't want to admit that we've done something wrong. And I think, you know, so maybe if you position it from a point of view, which is, okay, everything that I did was wrong. Mm. So let's Mm. start to list those out. Clearly, not everything you did was wrong, because that's just not how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you start from that real kind of extreme point and start to put down something, I think often it's an iterative process. And if something isn't coming or it's not flowing or you're not kind of really fully understanding it, then um, take a break. Don't force reflection Mm. because you've got to be in the right kind of space. It can be useful to talk to other people, to have conversations, Mm -hmm. to really just kind of explore it and, you know, to, to listen to other people about the things that work and don't work in their relationships because you'll find some similarities and then you can go, oh, well, actually, you know, how often have we been having a conversation and I've gone, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> I recognize that in my relationship or because you kind of start to process things in the moment as you have in the discussion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So I think it can be really useful to have some of those honest conversations with somebody that you can trust. If you can't find somebody that you can trust, then obviously there's always kind of you can go down the professional route to explore some of the um you know some of these situations for yourself true and and not only seeking out the opportunities from people that you trust but also working on the defensiveness which is a reaction that Mm. most of us have because getting to the point of okay so we are very poor at acknowledging that we're not perfect which is why defensiveness comes up Uh, we may ask for inputs but we may spend just as much time if not more trying to rationalize to that person that their inputs and feedback are actually incorrect. Like, Mm. 
So, uh, best friend of mine who's known me for 30 years, um, what do you think that I should need to work on? What are the, th- the patterns that you've noticed in my past relationships? Well, yeah. you tend to lose yourself and I don't hear from you as much and you kind of let your friendships drop when you're, mm. uh, you know, uh, in, in relationship. And if I were being defensive, I'd be like, well, no, but I was trying to reach out, but you were the busy one. And actually, yeah. like, I have a lot of interests. Well, that's that's your defensiveness coming up. It doesn't matter. Like setting the record straight is not the exercise here. It's it's getting vulnerable to be like, yeah, you know what? That is true. I have lost myself in a relationship. And my friend is stepping out on the line to give me a hard piece of feedback that she knows will ultimately be of benefit to me. So accept yeah. it graciously and say thank you. Thank you for saying that. It took a lot of courage. And I'm going to consider it and work on it. Mm. And it's defensiveness is a really interesting emotion isn't it because as soon as you feel that coming up or you really feel like you want to justify your position in something quite passionately mm-hmm. it's often a trigger that there's something that we're hearing that we don't like mm. mm-hmm. so we're going to try and deflect from that by you know blaming something else or um you know diverting the attention somewhere else mm. Mm. because we don't want to admit that well actually yeah probably was a bit of a sucky friend and uh i did leave you high and dry mm-hmm. Yeah, because we think, oh my God, that's so terrible. I'm not perfect and therefore I will be rejected and abandoned because I'm not lovable. It doesn't mean that. It's like, I love you anyways, but you were a dick when you were in a relationship with those past two people. But the the kind of shame factor isn't there or the, you know, embarrassment Mm -hmm. that actually Mm -hmm. I behaved in a way that, you know, I probably, you know, I'm I'm less than pleased about. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, we can get this really, really strong reaction to kind of defend and deflect. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's part of it. Like, uh, looking for feedback is not just looking for feedback. It's also accepting the feedback and letting it in. And that, that's probably the hardest. And so much so that like some of our friends, they're like, oh, you know what? They're asking for feedback, but they can't, they can't handle the truth. And so (laughs) so for some people, you won't actually get the truth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's other stuff you can do as well around. I really, I'm a big advocate for working on, you know, some of, if you are struggling with kind of low self-esteem or you know that there are areas that actually challenge your own Mm self-confidence, I'm a big advocate really of kind of working on some of those, those deeper issues Mm. and really look at your, you know, past attachment styles. Like how have you formed relationships? How have you formed bonds? And how do you then attach in a more secure way oh oh my god you're preaching to the i know oh no but it's wonderful sarah (laughs) i'm so up in my attachment styles right now like that is i'm having this come to jesus moment about my like really insecurely attached like and and where it all comes from and Mm. it is it is grueling there was a there's a point of like today where because i'm crying for in great ways crying is just a release of uh, energy but there's a lot of stuff coming up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, this is so necessary, but it's so freaking hard. Yeah. And it's wonderful to be working through this. But yeah, when you look at your attachment styles and you realize like how hamstrung you've been for past relationships, mm. if you can cry for that inner child who was, if you're, if you're insecurely attached, there was some trauma or neglect in your background that led to that. And yeah. man, there's nothing that starts the waterworks going when you realize like, man, you know, I... I experienced lack of safety when I was tiny, 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 right? And, Mm. 
just to imagine like, oh my God, now I have to be the person now who it, who takes care of that inner child, that nurtures and mothers that inter, inner child to be able to start to, you know, attach more securely to people. Um, yeah. Oh, it's just, it's the hardest, most vulnerable work. Yeah. Yeah. But I think being able to forgive some of the things that have gone on in the past. Yeah. It's quite an important part of the process. Oh, it's so tr- I mean, I'm like, I was there today, which is like, oh, <laughs> you know, 44 years ago, I was all like, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a safe environment or whatever, because my, you know, whatever, uh, my parents were not in a position to give that. But I'm like, it's 44 years ago, Anna, it's time. Yeah. Statute yeah. of limitations, I have to be my own parent now like that. I'm mm. my job now is to be my own parent, to soothe yeah. myself, to nurture myself, to lift myself up. The same things you were talking about yesterday, right? Be my own cheerleader, be my own champion. Yeah. Pick myself up and dust myself off. Like, I got to forgive the people who were tasked with that, but just couldn't f- come through. And that's, it is what it is. They were, everybody's just doing their best. Parents just yeah. do their best, you know? It Absolutely. is what it is. Yeah. I don't think anyone deliberately sets out to ruin their kids' lives. <laughs> no. No. But, you know, sometimes there's a bit of nuclear fallout along the way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because we are all flawed and we're all human. Yeah. So we've got to accept that, you know, we've got to kind of forgive yeah. and be able to move on from that. Yeah. Because we can't change the past. And forgiving allows us to move on. It's not a gift to somebody yeah. else. It's a gift to ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. I, th- I think as a non-parent, I'm like, you know, I can stand in judgment of like, oh, it would have been, it wasn't hard to give love to your baby. I'm like, ah, but I'm not a mom and I don't know Mm. what that feels like to just have your entire world, like a nuclear bomb thrown into it with the birth of a child or much less the second birth where like taking care of the first, it's not like, just like you described a number of podcasts ago, it's like, I have to take care of this new baby and I've got a toddler. Yeah. And for people who have three or four kids, they're like, it's like a circus. It's like, you know, no wonder, you know, balls fall and wheels fall off the bus, right? Like, of course they will. It's madness. It's mayhem. I I can't even begin Mm -hmm. to imagine the start of it being a non-mom, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I I feel like I've taken this on the detour of where my thinking has been in recent (laughs) weeks. But, uh, yeah, the, the attachment styles, oh, my God, yes. Are there other sort of things that you would closets or or trunks that you would recommend looking into um and taking a hard look at um as you start or or think about starting a relationship you know consider we've talked about this before on the podcast but you know just to kind of i guess as a reminder is really think about some of those big stuff like what where is it that your heart lies Mm-hmm. so when it comes to some of those bigger decisions in life when you think about kind of your kind of future life map like what does that look like mm-hmm. um consider doing some work around values like just really oh, yeah. i think all yeah. of this is pointing to the fact that you need to get to know yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because how do you know the person that is is right for you if you don't actually know kind of the parts that are about you that are kind of right and mm-hmm. um and then what, what do you want to attract to couple up with that? Oh, gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is, you know, this great kind of just understanding and taking some time and, and that period of reflection to really just assess, yeah. like, who, who am I? And often the, we get stuck in these really old stories and narratives about who we are as people. We neglect to realize some of the changes that we've encountered. Mm. So it can be really, particularly when we've had kind of childhood 
um, difficulties or we've had challenging relationships in the past, it can be really, really hard not to hold on to that person mm. because it's almost like a kind of badge of honor, right? That mm. I've had, you know, I've had a tough life. We've, mm. We see like a lot of it now where people are, um, you know, very openly sharing their kind of traumatic life experiences with kind of anybody who listen. Mm. Um, mostly because I want to try and sell you something but that's again mm -hmm. just my kind of skepticism mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so there's a lot more kind of outpouring of kind of grief and and uh, trauma and turmoil that people kind of want to share but we can get really attached to actually that's who we are totally. and I really kind of question you know am, am I still that person Where, where's the evidence that tells me I'm still that person who you know maybe couldn't speak up for themselves or am I still that person that's a if you kind of label yourself as a people pleaser well actually is that really true now or do I make decisions for myself do I have stronger boundaries am I more likely to say actually this is what I want and this is not what I want mm -hmm. oh rather yeah. than kind of yeah I'll do anything so really try and kind of separate some of those the the stories you know the the fact from fiction really separate that out and challenge everyone thinking about who you are as a person so you can get a real accurate picture and it's only ever going to be kind of semi-accurate because we're all looking through a slightly foggy lens <laughs> yes and and what may help so you usually say how you show up in one part of your life is how you show up in all but i but i will mm. say that there's actually a really important distinction is especially if i'm coaching folks I'll say that how you show up in one area is how you show up in most, but generally folks have this one part of their lives where they're really like knocking it out of the park in terms of confidence, boundaries, mm. and where they've actually overcome people pleasing. It might be that they're just, they're a, a hopeless mess in relationship with friendships, but they're really, really great at their job um, mm. or they're great at sports or they're really great at, you know, friendships. Yeah. Um, and this is where, to your point, right, is that is it really true that you're a people pleaser? You might be a people pleaser in your intimate relationship and in your job, but mm. for some reason, you've got a friend circle where you guys are really able to set some healthy boundaries, where you're not yeah. sort of people pleasing and so forth. So how, so if one part of your life, in one part of your life, if you're showing up in a way that you would like to for all parts of your life, then if it exists somewhere in your life, then it means that is that is part of your truth. And so how do we harness that non-people pleasing and just start to extend it? Like what's, what are the blocks standing in the way of us taking that same approach that you have with your circle of friends and putting yeah. that into work, mm. into your career? I'd say the same for attachment styles as well. You know, we, we mm. can have a, a predominant attachment style when we're in an intimate relationship, but we very often don't have those same attachment styles, whether it's kind of at work or whether it's with friendships. So really look at what is it that makes that different and how do you bring yeah. more of that? If you've got more of a secure attachment style elsewhere with other key individuals, what is it about that person that makes you feel more secure? And then how do you use that to integrate into, you know, some of those more romantic relationships? Oh gosh. And actually like, uh, something that I think of when I think when you say that is um, imagine that we sort of extend attachment styles to your beliefs about money. So like in my case, I have a very insecure attachment when it comes to intimate relationship. And I ultimately think there's a lack mentality, I will always be abandoned. Yeah. But yet I have a very secure attachment with money in that I don't f like an abundance mentality. I'm like, it'll yeah. come, it'll go like I don't have to chase money. Mm. And so it just comfortably like, 
I'm not saying that like I'm wealthy by an extent, but it's just, I, I don't usually have to worry about that. It just kind of sorts yeah. itself out. But yet other people are the exact opposite. They can be very securely attached in a relationship, but they're always running from pillar to post in terms of money because of their, mm. um, their sort of limiting beliefs about money. So it, it, it's absolutely true that like I can see very secure attachment in some parts of my life and absolute off the chain, chaotically insecure <laughs> attachments <laughs> to other things. Yeah. And if we believed that we were capable of being securely attached to all things, you know, because mm-hmm. there's evidence to say we're attached securely to at least some things or people in our lives, then by just extension, could we not scale it out to spread that secure attachment mentality across all spheres of our life? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Stuff is hard. I just, I think I just want to be on like <laughs> married at first sight and find somebody who like completes me. <laughs> Hello, Sarah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll be signing up for a um, oh. for a US or a Canadian version soon. Oh my God! Of course. Yeah, oh. just to you know that whole Jerry Maguire "You Complete Me" thing. Unfortunately, it's not true. <laughs> but sometimes it just feels like really mentally exhausting. It's yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I just wish that I had zero responsibility for the misgivings of my past relationships. <laughs> I, I wish it was somebody else's fault. But it's not. Mm. <laughs> I know. And some of it will be in part, but some of it will also be down to you. Well, and the thing is, too, and I, I really loved how one client said this. So we had been coaching primarily around career. But what comes up time to time with this client is this um, concern about dynamics in their intimate relationship. And they were all sort of like, oh, my partner does this, that and the other. They're in the wrong. We didn't really, really focus on it until recently where um, they realized actually it's not entirely my partner that's doing everything hundred percent wrong. I actually Mm. have some part to play with it. And they expressed great relief because they were like, you know, when I was living in the world of it's completely a, my partner and I have no agency and it's all their Mm. fault. I had no agency and no control. But now that I realize that there's a part, at least a more than 0% part of this dynamic that I'm contributing to, that gives me agency for change. And to actually affect the process. So weirdly, taking responsibility can turn us from the victim into the person who has agency and is in the driver's seat. So responsibility doesn't have to be this like awful thing, like this Catholic flogging, like you're responsible, you're guilty. No, I mean, it actually gives us something to work on Mm. to take responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Responsibility sets you free. So, oh, any last thoughts on the hot topic which has given me much fodder for excitement for the future i think my last thought would just be to say for those of the listeners that are actually in a relationship as well a lot of the um you know a lot of the words actually are still applicable Mm. because we can get locked in relationships and think well this is it it's never going to change it's always going to be like this Mm. so Mm. yeah you have the same chance the same opportunity I love it. That's harder, but yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's not fully baked in. Yeah. The paint is not dry. You can still mo- move it around a little bit with your brushes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All righty. All right. Shall we, um, shall we tackle a question? Yes, let's do it. So today's question. I'm having trouble trusting my wife. I love her more than anything. 
I think she may be talking to and seeing someone else, but she continually tells me that I'm crazy and that nothing's happening. But certain things that I've seen and that she does makes me think otherwise. I'm hoping I'm wrong and she is faithful. I continue to check her phone to see if there's anything going on and it's pissing her off. And there's always an answer and an attitude. Oh, this is hard. I've heard Mm -hmm. some red flaggy things. (laughs) (laughs) You know, something that I came up with a long time before and I still stand by it is that I have in my past relationship, there was a strictly no checking each other's phone, no looking over the shoulder to see what messages is popping up on your partner's phone. Um, I'm going to stand by like checking your partner's phone is an off limits thing or any of their digital devices. It's, Mm. it's just absolutely off limits. There's no need for it ever. Never even once. And I will stand by that, but just saying. (laughs) If you, if you were doing something wrong and you knew that your partner was going to check your phone, surely you just delete all that shit anyway. (laughs) Listen, I've got a number of apps that I know about that have like disappearing messages and like telegram signal, a whole bunch of untraceable stuff, snapchats. Totally. Like if somebody wants Not to cheat. Not that we know how to use Snapchat because we're just too well, old. Well, we're old. Yeah. But if we wanted to, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like the motivation to learn, of an affair. Totally. Totally. <sighs> Absolutely. Yeah. Just, you know, oh gosh, I've coached some instances where, man, there's been this such intrigue and sort of like effort placed on trying to surveil each other's digital devices. Mm. And I'm like, look, anybody who's really invested to keep secrets will always be two steps in front of you. So yeah. A liar is going to be a liar. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. But, okay, so there's some red flaggy stuff coming up in this. But there's also, I'm hearing there's a person who is uh, just deeply concerned, insecure, sad, feeling out of control. Like, this person asking the question is feeling out of control. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. 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 So where do you start with this? Well... Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of unsaid in that question about actually kind of, you know, I've seen things, um, there's there's issues that are kind of, you know, are surfacing or are kind of, I'm seeing some evidence that's creating this level of mistrust, but then you've got this kind of assurance and then obviously as the, um, as the husband is then kind of raising it repeatedly, then it sounds like, you know, there is then some kind of response coming back from the partner which is kind of like look I've had enough now I'm mm-hmm. I'm sick of being asked about this you keep wanting me to kind of justify my position and justify my love for you and anything that I do just isn't good enough yeah so that's kind of one side but on the other side like where's it all coming from what is it that's driving this kind of mis- this level of mistrust mm-hmm So there's certainly two options. The option is there is a reason to mistrust. There's certainly a very viable option that this partner is having an affair. Mm. Uh, There's sort of like a a version 1.5, which is like, well, I wasn't having an affair until you kept talking about me having an affair. And then I was like, well, screw (laughs) it. I'm just going to have an affair. That actually happens. That literally happens that somebody (laughs) is so insecure that they, they drive a partner who's so sick of justifying, they're like, well, I might as well misbehave because what difference yeah. would it make? Yeah. And it drives disengagement. But the, the, the th- I guess the thing that you and I are more concerned about probably is that this person is, is insecurely attached, is reading signals, is making their own interpretations, and is going haywire with them. Yeah. 
and believes uh, deeply that they are unlovable, that they're going to be abandoned, and therefore, well, if they're not currently abandoned, then this kind of behavior, this this um, mistrusting behavior, is going to get them abandoned, right? Like this mm. isn't this is going nowhere real fast. Yeah, yeah, some self sabotage. Mm. I think one of the questions I would ask is what needs to change in order for you to feel like you can trust your wife again? Oh, I like it. And why does this question, how will this, the answer to this question tell you what's going a little bit more about what's going on? Like what are the different ways that somebody might answer this that might give you some clues? Well, there's clearly something about there's some behavior that's happening. Mm-hmm. That is creating some sort of level of mistrust. So mm-hmm. I would imagine that the answer would be in connection with whatever that behavior is and that behavior kind of reversing. And then it's about kind of exploring that in more detail. So what if he came back and said, um, you know, I wouldn't be worried if she didn't, uh, if she wasn't so withdrawn or if she was more, you know, intimacy has fallen off. Uh, we are no longer intimate as much anymore, or um, she doesn't spend time with me anymore, or she doesn't look me, me in the eye anymore. Mm. Um, if that was the answer, like, you know, if she were to make me feel more secure, how's that? What would you counter with? Like, what would be your next sort of sort of statement or question if he's like, well, if she just made me feel more secure, then I would feel more secure. So again, it's then kind of exploring that, okay, well, what would you need to do then to make you feel more secure? Mm. And then it's gradually kind of moving on to actually, how could you get more of that for yourself? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So yeah. no one can make us feel a certain way. We, we feel that way because we're interpreting the situation um, to be something. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to get below that to understand that interpretation and look for alternative, um, you know, alternative possibilities. So you know, what else could be going on? So around intimacy, you get this quite a lot, don't you, with people? What else could be going on then? You know, have things changed at work? Has it suddenly become more stressful? Is it kind of a certain stage in life that's kind of generating this? Mm. Or the, um, you know, have you got kids that are suddenly being more demanding or creating more troubles or worries that are then kind of adding the stress factor? Are there money worries that are then kind of overtaken? So there's all kinds of things mm. that play into intimacy, and it doesn't mean that you're having an affair just because you're not kind of, mm. you know, you're not having the usual regular amount of sex that you would have done before. Um, things change, right? And the more you get out of the habit, the less you kind of want to be in the habit mm. is mm-hmm. often the case. And it's then just, OK, what can you do to try and rekindle that in some small steps? So I think it is really about, um, you know, we talked before there about responsibility. So how can this person take some responsibility in this area? How can they start to feel like they can trust again in the relationship? Mm. You know, what what's one thing your wife would need to do? But actually, what's one thing that you'd need to do as well? Yeah. And then how do you work on those two small steps just to move you a little bit closer to um, feeling like you can trust again? Yeah. Some things that help my particularly analytical clients is to create a prospective experiment, which is which is like this. So I'm usually only coaching one person. Sometimes mm. I'm coaching a couple, but a lot of the time, this husband, yeah. for example, I'd be coaching them. And I'd say, okay, why don't we design an experiment? And for a set amount of time, you decide six weeks, eight weeks, two weeks, you are going to show up with one or two very strong, actionable things 
that will start to change the dynamic, right? Maybe you get a new hobby. So you're not like obsessing about what your wife is doing all day. Um, maybe you initiate intimacy more or you start to, mm-hmm. hey, why don't we spend some time? Why don't we go to the show together? Where you're actually showing up with the more of the degree of the intimacy that you want to see. And you get to sort of give X amount of time until you start to see the behavior of your wife change if it is going to change. Mm. Um, and I and I welcome your dissent on this if, if, if there is to be had. But like after about six to eight weeks of consistently showing up in a different fashion where you're really holding your own frame and you're not sort of looking like this really insecure sort of codependent person, right, which is not attractive to anybody, right? But if you're starting to hold your own frame – be interdependent, stand on your own two feet. Mm. If really your wife isn't having an affair, but she's actually just super tired of you being so codependent. And if you start to change that behavior, chances are she'll start to come that will move her chess piece. And she'll start to then lean into you a little bit more if truly, if she is truly having an affair, then, and and her behavior doesn't budge, well, then maybe that tells you something. So there is a way to because. The thing is, though, is that when I'm dealing with one person who is willing and able to take the responsibility to make that first change, and we have no control over the other person making a reciprocal change, mm. we set up an experiment mm. and we see what happens. But um, but you have to ride out long enough, don't you? So I like the kind of, you know, the kind of setting a, a reasonable time level on it. So like four weeks, mm-hmm. six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is. Because you need to, and this is the thing that most people kind of get wrong in relationships, is you don't give mm. some of the changes time to, to bed in. You don't allow them to be acknowledged fully before you say, before you kind totally. of withdraw that behavior because you go, it's not and working or mm-hmm. then they don't appreciate my effort. Therefore, after kind of one attempt, I'm going to withdraw that because I've not mm-hmm. seen, you know, I haven't seen you um, concede and and um and respond in the way that I'd like you to therefore I'm not interested so I'm going to go back because it's not working but we're not given these things uh, long enough to be able to to see the effect of the change oh yeah and to allow the other person to trust us that actually we're not just a kind of one hit wonder and we're not going to go back to those some of those old patterns of behavior oh like totally because we've been ping-ponging off each other so much that absolutely yeah. I've been the perpetrator and I have also been the person exhausted by somebody else's emotional dependence yeah. where if for like a week or two they're like oh I've turned over a new leaf look at me all independent I'm like I don't trust it you're gonna be like yeah. blowing up my phone and not acting all like you know yeah. in short order and so you're right it does take time to establish trust the, the problem is we don't generally start to work on this until like the wheels are half off the bus and we have no patience anymore. And our interpretations have dug in so hard that we're so hurt and there's so many raw nerves. It is very, very hard to ask a partner, like create a change and stick to it consistently without a slip up for eight weeks. And then very few of us, you know, not to sort of spell the death knell of relationship, but like sometimes relationships have to end not because they couldn't have worked out, but because we started working on it when resentment and totally fried nerve endings mm. have set in. Yeah. Um, but truly that is it, like consistent, persistent change, unwavering change yeah. uh, is really the only way that this guy can have any control over what his wife's behavior is. Think- or not control, <laughs> influence. <laughs> yeah. The I think the final thing I'd say is, you know, this guy kind of starts off by saying how much he just truly loves his wife. Like, 
Mm. Um, that's something to be cherished and to kind of to hold on to. Like, if I really, mm. truly love my wife, then truly I can trust her. Mm. Yeah, but I can't distinguish this question from obsession and ownership. <laughs> I know, deathmatch. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's true, though. Like, if he truly does, if that's if those are the words, if the words that he's saying is the sentiment that he actually holds, yeah. then it is true. How can you not trust somebody that you love? Yeah. But I guess for me is I would need a session or two to understand, is this love or is this yeah. ownership and obsession? <gasps> Let's focus on the love. <laughs> I know, but you know how I always like looking at the dark side of the moon? I do indeed. It's my job. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get what you're saying. There is a point kind of, you know, can you love somebody too much? Absolutely. Yeah. Or we have a different sentiment that we use the word love for. I have learned that in... Um, you know, it's funny, English is just so limited. And because of my time in Athens, I've learned that like the Greek language has multiple terms for different kinds of love. Mm. So to your point, yeah, a lot of things can be uh, collected up into the bucket of love. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow. All right. Lots to learn Jeez, this week. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, my gosh. This is wonderful. Um, All right. Well, you're on to dinner. I am on to dinner. Yay, yay. It's funny today, the time, so the clocks moved ahead in North America two weeks earlier than the clocks in Europe. And uh, and so I've I've actually had a number of missteps with my clients because it's like, oh, your time, your clocks have changed. No, 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 they haven't changed. Oh my God, we're off by an hour. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so Sarah and I were a little off today, but we just caught right on back. We were well, totally fine. We always managed to rely on at yeah. some stage. You're right. And the clocks are turning back, which means we're going to be in sundresses on patios like so soon. No, we're not. But anyways, it's so soon. Uh, I keep yeah. seeing the daffodils out, so they clearly know something's happening. Oh my God, are you serious? You have daffodils? Yeah. We have like Lots so much snow. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. God, what am I doing in this part of the world? What? <laughs> God. It's, oh, you need to get yourself to Jersey. Holy shit, I do. I do. I do. There's some face-to-face podcast time. Create a whip of a storm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jersey gone wild. (laughs) I'm not sure they'd be ready for you. (laughs) Oh, gracious. I tell you, that's, yeah, I'd imagine there's a little bit of uh, immigration hold up. Like, yeah, no, no, Doc Sass isn't allowed on this island. (laughs) We've heard all about you. (laughs) You heard about you. (laughs) We knew you were coming. We've got 140 episodes that tell me about you. I know, geez, you thought you'd land up here? No, 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 my friend. <laughs> no amount of uh, no amount of disguises can uh, obscure the the sexy Anna um, <laughs> arrival. Yeah, no sexy Anna's allowed on the island of Jersey. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, all right, my lovely. Right. I am going to go and um, whip up my dinner. You've got it. All right. Well. Till next time. Till next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.